Stretch it out. Stretch it out. Yeah. You got to get warm. Get loose. Get limber. It's fucked up the sounds. My shoulders ache. Yeah. Can't be Can good. We try to do a little ASMR thing with you cracking your body and me sipping coffee. Like that's our ASMR cracks and sips. And welcome back to another edition of Any Given Thursday. I'm Max, and and, um, and I'm David. You are. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing right now? Uh, I don't know. What are you doing right now? <laughs> uh, so basically, we're back to talk about a another edition of Europa and Europa Conference League Thursdays. Um, today, uh, we will begin previewing the uh the playoff rounds in those competitions uh the first legs are coming up tomorrow um we have quite a lot of tasty matchups yeah i would say so uh should we start with the first one which includes a club I guess, with a one? i guess i guess if we're going one two three four well i think the first we would start with the, the first club one. With the one in their name should it not be? oh that's a transition that's a transition that's a transition so, the first one we're going to talk about is Dnipro 1 from Ukraine. They take on AK Larnaca from Cyprus. And the first leg is going to be Dnipro will be hosting. I don't remember where they're hosting this game, but a great I think, question. Because obviously it can't be in Dnipro. Which is, it's in Slovakia. Dnipro for, for the listeners uh, is right in central Ukraine, um, which is not fit to uh put on match unfortunately at this moment because russia is trying to bomb the shit out of it um yeah and you know we don't want to get too political but i think we can just say fuck russia i think we could choose a side on this one yeah i think we could choose this i'm not gonna tell you who i'm gonna vote for but i am gonna tell you i didn't vote for russia um (laughs) so they're gonna be playing this game in kosice which i probably pronounced correctly because i'm really good at things um yeah, that's Slovakian is famously it's, easy to pronounce also especially for american speakers we're great at it yeah um it's in the eastern part of the country it's a cute medieval town um so if you want to check that what wikipedia out, says uh no it's what google images says okay <laughs> uh, so we'll be hosting this game and it is the first competitive game that they are going to be playing since december there's not a lot of information we have on what Dnipro will be playing like, what they, how they could line up, what the matchup should be, just because... Who's on the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of their players left. So there's a lot of new guys yeah, there. That's um, a big problem, in with especially in the, you know, in the, with the higher-ranked teams in the Ukrainian division now is, you know, the, there was sort of a controversial FIFA decision um, that particularly Shakhtar Donetsk is really mad about um, where they, I'm not going to get all the details, right? So I won't try, but basically they only had a certain amount of time, like by the end of June or something to sell the players that were trying to leave. Um, Obviously didn't want to, you know, play in a country that is, you know, under siege um, where the league can't really operate normally. Um, But by doing so, you know, steeply diminish the value of said players because otherwise they could leave on a free later in the summer. Um, so Shakhtar was basically suing, demanding like a certain amount of money recuperated 
um, from the losses there. So I don't know if that's something any pro has experienced. I imagine to some degree, um, but it's definitely been an issue in you know the top fight in Ukraine is a lot of these, um, a lot of the best players like, obviously you know, whether leaving for money or not, just sort of having to go. Um, we've seen is it Kiev that was having a decent run so far in Europe. So yeah, you know. Had a a decent decent run doesn't going. necessarily so still competitive yeah it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that denny pro is going to come out and like like suck balls but you know it is just sort of hard to know what they're going to look like um so we'll be learning along with the audience tomorrow i think and there are the not the ukrainian players did not have the option to leave on freeze that was only eligible for non-ukrainian players since oh, okay Ukraine I yeah, yeah. Ukraine right in the country the military yeah um but they are allowed to play. They're not being forced into military service right now. So yeah, that's good. There still is two Ukrainian players that I think we should highlight coming into this who were really good before the league shut down. Artem Dojpiak is their striker. He's scored 14 goals in the league last year, which only lasted for the first 17 games. Uh, so pretty clinical guy. And then Alexander Pihalyanok is midfielder. Also scored or not scored. Also played really well last year. Um, and now that they're starting back up uh, outside of Ukraine, they were able to bring in Domingo Blanco, who is a center mid, joining them from River Plate. He's supposed to be pretty good. We'll see how he adjusts to playing in Europe. Obviously, very different culture, very different tactics that are going to be employed in Ukraine than in Argentina. But uh, should we talk a little bit about Dnipro's history coming into this year? Because yeah. they have an interesting history. They do. Uh, it's been it's been a strange like, decade for them. Yeah, anyway, so I guess they've only technically existed for five years. They they did sort of the Phoenix Club thing, but not, like, quite as officially as, you know, like, in Italy when one of those teams, like, crashes and burns and they come back with a slightly different name. Like, it's an entirely different club that's just basically the same club. They sort of did that here, but I'm not clear on whether, like, they actually dissolved the original club or if they just sort of all agreed to jump ship <laughs> onto a new club because so to go back in time um the original fc Dnipro, uh you know were a top ukrainian club um they had two league titles two soviet titles from back in the day um and you know they also reached the final of the 2015 europa league it's a pretty big achievement where they, like many other teams, lost to Sevilla. Right, but... right. No shame in it. Yeah. Um, so, but then they had, I guess, part of that team building. Um, their owner kind of stretched their funds. They were, they violated FFP and were banned for uh, three consecutive European seasons, which is a pretty, pretty decent punishment. Um, they also suffered points deductions in the league that led to them eventually being relegated for the first time in their history. Uh, then FIFA themselves relegated them to the third division after the 1819 season for more FFP shit. And then, like I said, everybody basically like agreed youth teams in included, like everybody in the organization were basically like, all right, we're just hopping over to Denny Pro one. We're leaving this like, fucked up stuff <laughs> and it, yeah. it, so, it, so it's unique in that way that it wasn't like the club like went bankrupt i don't think and dissolved i don't think that was the case i could be wrong but 
Um, it's a super odd situation. So anyway, since 2019, Dini Pro 1 is the name of the club. Um, they got promoted back to the first tier. Uh, and this is their first year back in Europe so since that all happened. Since the, I believe, the, I don't know if it's 2015 or 16, but so that's another, just yet another narrative angle for Dini Pro. Yeah, and they're not the only ones with an interesting angle coming to this game as well. EK Larnaca have a bit of a cool it tells story. you how fucked up the Ukrainian situation is that we haven't even talked about Cyprus yet. Yeah, yeah, Cyprus has a lot of interesting stories in their league. Um, AK Larnaca is one of them. They were founded in the technically founded in the '90s as a merger of two of the biggest clubs in not just Larnaca but in Cyprus at the time or EPA, Barnaca, and Pezzo Porikos. And they technically never won the league since they've been an official club, but both the clubs that founded them have won multiple league titles. Yeah, uh, this weird. Is, yeah, they made their Champions League debut this season since Cyprus finally got a second team into the Champions League and AEK was runners-up last year. So this is them being in Europe and fighting for a spot in the Europa League is a pretty big deal for them as well. Uh, yeah and we saw them play to actually talk about the soccer for a second we did see i think we were pleasantly surprised by them in the third round beating partisan um which ahead of time i was partisan right yes yeah ahead of time i wouldn't have i don't think i would have picked them um I, i think this should actually be a pretty even tie again hard to tell until we see Dini pro what they actually look like on the on the pitch but yeah. Um, I'm interested in this one. We'll be keeping an eye on this one for sure. Uh, AK again. Uh, like uh, the only reason they got kicked out of the Champions League was because they lost to Michelin on penalties. Michelin have been a very you know competent team the last couple of years, so um, I think that shows you the level they're at right now. Definitely, and Partizan is big competition to play and beat, so they're definitely a strong team. Tough way to start your season if you're Dnipro. And uh, like we keep saying, the the belt this. The Cypriot League has more depth than you'd think with um and we'll we're gonna be touching on more more of their clubs as we go today. Yeah, I think we have three of them in the Europa League playoff round that mm-hmm. we'll have to talk about. Uh but should we move on to Zurich and Hearts? Going a little bit on sure. that. Sure. Yeah. Um so uh Zurich are slate favorites um to advance here, but uh, Zurich are off to a horrendous start in domestic play. Uh, they're zero wins, two draws, three losses from their first five games. Uh, that's two points from the five matches. Um, they drew with some team called Winterthur on the weekend, uh, and they only equalized 1-1 in the 85th minute. They've also lost 3-0 to Sion and 2-0 to St. Gallen uh, <laughs> in this campaign so far. Um, those are small teams, but those are not good score lines to have on your schedule. No, they're not competitive. They've not been scoring at all. They've been seeding, um, which is worrying because last year um, they were, after uh, the first 10 matches of the season, they were the best in the Swiss League um, at de- with, uh, with their defensive record. Um, they were managed last year by Andre Breitenreiter. Um, who has since gone to Hoffenheim and been replaced um, by the guy who named Franco Foda 
who used to manage the Austrian national team. Um, so I suspect a change of managers has something to do with it. Um, you know, he had them playing in a 3-1-4-2. They were really direct. They ranked second bottom in the Swiss League for possession, um, which is a bit unusual for a champion. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they also lost their uh, striker last year who scored 20 goals, Asen Cisse, went to Lecce. Um, scored over the weekend for them against Inter scored over the well. weekend. So you wonder if that's part of why of their goal production. It just hasn't been, you know, easily replaced yet. Um, you know, he scored 20 goals on like 12 and a half XG too, mm-hmm. which is the highest uh, difference in the Swiss league. Um, and he fit that counter attacking style really well. Um, meanwhile, Franco Foda, you know, I'm not going to say I know too much about him other than I've never been particularly impressed watching his Austrian team the last four years. Um, I always felt like they were a little underwhelming tactically. Um, and I think we saw this spring, or sorry, this summer, um, right after, um, what's his name? He was just man- managing United. Oh, Ranić, and just took yeah. over. Austria. Yeah, yeah. Ralph Ranić just took over for him um, after the league season. Um, and immediately there was like a big difference. Like they were running around like crazy. They were scoring goals and pressing high. And I think some people were like, oh, I didn't know this team could play that way. Um, so I'm, you know, maybe I'm a little off on this take, but I, w- I wonder if he like is long for the job if they keep performing like this. I think this tie could have a lot to do with it, actually. Um, um, the good news is that they still have some pretty awesome players um for their for their level they have uh they brought in two wingbacks the summer before adria guerrero on the left nikola borani yasevich borani yasevich on the right nailed it first try and uh they were key to uh to brighton writers um you know wingback system um they're still there uh Antonio uh Marishano Marisano Marchisano Antonio Marchisano uh he's a midfielder he assisted Cisse 10 times last season Bessier Bessier Omaragic mm-hmm. Bessier Omaragic uh he's a he's a 20-year-old Swiss defender who's a bit of a who's a bit of a stud up and comer in their national setup um and of course your boy Wilfred Nyoto yeah, who was mostly like a super sub last year, but kind of it was starting this year, I believe. Yeah, um, there has been. I wouldn't be that surprised if he doesn't play in this matchup. There's been a lot of transfers about him popping up mm. over the weekend since he only has a year left on his contract, and like you said, he hasn't been a sure starter for them until this season. So the transfer rumors mostly leads in Juventus. If it's Juventus, he might be loaned right back. I can see that happening, but uh, yeah. I wouldn't be that surprised if he is maybe left off just to make sure the team has a functioning system going forward. But Okay. We'll keep an eye out for that. Um, but basically all of that shite, that shite about Zurich is to say that, well, they are slight betting favorites at home. I wouldn't be shocked to see Hearts pull out a result here. Uh, they're in much better form Yeah, uh, in the league, great. which again, we've mentioned this before, like, it's dangerous sometimes to read too much into league form 
versus, you know, Thursday night form. Uh, a lot of, you know, because when you're playing Thursday nights, like, your rotation gets weird. Um, sometimes these teams who aren't used to being deep into Europe will prioritize, like, a big Thursday night match and then be a little, like, slow-paced and, like, slow to get into it on Sunday. Um, but in this case, Hearts did beat European compatriots Dundee 4-1 over the weekend. Compare that with the kind of results that... uh. That Zurich have been getting, and you wonder um, if there's something there, particularly because Zurich looked a little sluggish against Linfield. We felt, even though they comfortably won that leg, uh, or those two legs. Yeah, I mean, I could say a lot more about Hearts, but David has a club spotlight coming out in just about 12 days' time. Uh, so you'll have to wait and hear uh, more about their tactics and their history then. Do you have anything to add before we move on? Yeah, so Hearts, obviously, like you said, they've been playing great in the league uh they just beat up dundee but notably there were a lot of questions about hearts coming in specifically with kai rolls and shanklin their striker and both of them have been great they were replacing key players on the team last year uh have definitely answered the call at the start of the year kai rolls almost seems like an upgrade over Suter, who may have been their best player last year um then barry mckay was probably man of the match for me against Dundee over the weekend. He is right right wing, left wing, number 10, wherever he wants to play in that attacking midfield area, but he is definitely going to play a key role in this tie. So before we move on from this game, do you have a prediction for the first leg and the tie overall? I think hearts are going to win. And I'm going to say the first leg is going to be 1-1 in, in Switzerland. I want to agree with you, given the form hearts are in and the fact that I like hearts, but I have known Scottish football and hearts football long enough to know that they will find a way to disappoint in Europe. Mm -hmm. Like we've seen it this year with Motherwell going out to Sligo and Dundee's disastrous performance against Azed in the second leg that I fully expect Hearts to find a way to disappoint Scottish fans to the fullest in this matchup. So I'm going to, I do think it'll be competitive though. So I'm going to go 2 1 Zurich in the first leg. All right. Actually, one one nothing. I think there's not going to be as many goals. Let's move on to Apollon and Olympiakos or Apollon. I don't know how that's pronounced. Yeah. We'll just say both and then we're right either way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so uh, Olympiacos, what do we expect from them this weekend? Or this week? It's not the weekend. Crazy. Crazy yeah, assumption. Olympiacos um, haven't looked that great in European qualifiers so far. No. But they should still be a strong team and hope maybe as we get closer to the group stage to games that mean a little more, they might start putting in better performances. That's kind of what we're hoping. One of the question marks with them this week is going to be fitness. Uh, We were looking over their squad. There's a lot of injury question marks on players who might or might not be available. Maddie Kamara, probably the key potential missing piece for them, but also Abubakar Kamara and Sime Vrzalko could also miss this tie. Um, One of the things we've noticed watching them as well as that they're going to get shots off. And when you look at the stats, 
it will look impressive, but they take a lot of not high probability shots. They only had 1.1 XG on 18 shots when they played Slovan in Greece and were a little better in Bratislava picking up one XG on nine shots. Uh, but they can be kind of wasteful in the attacking half. So I think when you're playing a team that's better than your last competition, a Poland are definitely better than Slovan were. Um, they're going to need to be more clinical and actually finish chances and take smart chances. Um, also fun for American fans. They did recently sign Conrad De La Fuente. So maybe he'll play. That could be fun for us. Americans. He's really good in my FM save. Um, is, is Athlon better than Slavon Bratislava? I would imagine. I just I think of the Cypriot League is better at Poland. The Cypriot League probably is better. I'd probably, I guess I'd assume they were similar, but there's no really way of telling without them playing, is there? Um, no. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see how they stack up this weekend against Olympiakos. Um, yeah, it is interesting. You would expect the Greeks to be favorites, but... Um, God, it's just hard to tell with them right now. And a little bit about Apollon really quick. They they pipped AEK to the title last year by four points. Um, it was their first title actually since 2015, even though you know they're used to they're used to winning. Um, it had just been a little while. Um uh after that in the league, Apoel did win four years in a row. Um, which is maybe the team, you know, I would associate most with Cyprus, just off the top of my head. Um, probably mm. because of that. Uh, then Ammonia got it twice, and now them. So, you know, that's that's four teams that are solidly in competition, usually, um, for the title. So I wonder if that competition maybe elevates them a little more than, than the average viewer would expect. Um, we haven't watched them play yet. Um, you know, we watched AEK, to, you know, each of the last two weeks, but we haven't watched them play. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they look against... You'd think stronger competition, but, you know, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I really don't know anymore. Yeah, they did share an opponent in the Champions League as well. They both played Maccabi Haifa. Olympiakos lost 5-1. Poland lost 4-2. can't so believe Olympiakos lost, lost 5-1 to Hi- Maccabi Haifa. That's terrible. I, I mean, Haifa's good, but damn. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good score. That's terrible. Yeah, so I think... You were going to bring this up, but they just played rivals Ammonia in the Super Cup, right? And you said there were some tensions in that game. Indeed, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ammonia um, won the Cypriot Cup. Uh, Apollon won the league. So they played in the Cypriot Super Cup. Uh, Apollon won 2-0. Um, but there were some tensions among the supporters. Um, apparently, there was fans who sang and booed the national anthem simultaneously. Uh, there were all sorts of political slogans going around. Um, somebody described the atmosphere as a trash bin, I think I read. So um, I think that tees up into some interesting political, sociopolitical stuff going on um, in Cyprus um, that I think you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, that so particularly I'm pertains to this tie. Yeah, so this tie is definitely interesting. Just to clarify for in the super cup ammonia are a notoriously far left club uh marxist fan support and the club embraces that fan culture as well so that's part of why that tie in particular can get kind of testy is you have non 
far left people supporting a Poland sometimes. Um, but one of the main reasons we wanted to highlight this matchup is just because of the interesting history between Greece and Cyprus in not just a footballing sense, but a political sense as well to not to get too much into it or try to pick sides at all as well. Cyprus has a Turkish and Greek ethnic divide and football is heavily impacted by the division. The Southern and Western part of the country is almost exclusively Greek and Northern Cyprus is Turkish. Uh, there are no Northern Cyprus teams in the Cypriot league. It has theoretically its own league and national team, but because their independence is only recognized by Turkey, those teams, the, that league can't play anybody in outside of Northern Cyprus. There's an international embargo against Northern Cyprus on food and music and sport and a bunch of other things as well. Um, so just to put this whole thing into context, but that led to a lot of the Greek Cypriots really heavily embracing Greece, particularly during the 70s when Turkey was invading Cyprus to reclaim it or as a Turkish territory. Uh, so most Cypriots will have a favorite Greek football team and will follow Greek football and get really passionate about it. So think like Irish fans with Liverpool and United or Northern Irish fans with Celtic and Glasgow, Celtic and Rangers can be a bit like that. Uh, but for most of its history, Greece has been way better than Cyprus no uh, shit. On man. Both, yeah, on both an international and a club level. Um they have 20 they have 23 wins or 21 wins, three draws, seven losses in international competitions. Um and the two countries have had clubs play 31 times and Greece has 15 wins, Cyprus only 10. But it's been kind of trending in the other direction recently. Cyprus has three wins, two losses and a draw since 2010 when the clubs have played each other. So there's Cyprus has been gaining on Greece and kind of inching closer and closer to taking them over on a club sense. So that's part of why we wanted to highlight this. Nice. Nice. Good facts. Can't say you didn't learn anything today. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to just quickly run down the other European ties um, or in the but Europa League, a, I should say. Make a prediction first. Oh yeah. Uh this one's in Cyprus, correct? Yes. Uh then I am gonna take a two two draw. I was gonna go with the one one draw, so I think that's probably smarter. I'm just hoping for goals. I think a fallen could win this die. Alright, I said it. I said it. Wow. Um upset alert. Um speaking of countries with uh awkward Political divides. Uh, Sheriff Tiraspol, the Transnistrian slash Moldovan team, uh, is visiting Punic in Armenia. Sheriff, of course, are strong favorites and take care of business, you think? Um, yeah. yeah. Zalgiris of Lithuania visiting Ludogorets in Bulgaria. Similar situation for Ludogorets. Do you think that is a wash? Mm -hmm. um, especially at home, they should take this. Uh, we got Ghent at home. In Belgium versus Ammonia and others, the other Cypriot team we were discussing just now. Um, that Gents apparently are overwhelming favorites, but 
I'm not so sure. I think, I mean, obviously I think they should win at home, but I don't think it's, I don't think I'd personally label that as an overwhelming um, tie for Ghent. I think that might be closer than the betting odds think. Yeah, I could see it being a little closer. I do think Ghent. Ghent should win. And I would take them on, especially in the home tie. Especially at home, yeah. I just don't think it'll be like a blowout. Yeah. Um, uh, what else do we have? We have HJK uh, and Silkeborg. Um, this one in Finland. Um, HJK overperformed our expectations last in the third qualifying round, but maybe that was just more of a case of Maribor underperforming to our expectations. We'll find out, see how they manage uh, tougher Danish opponents. Uh, Malmo welcoming Sivaspor in Turkey. Um, this one's a tough call because you never know what you're getting from Turkish teams. <laughs> also, I feel like Sivaspor is not usually in this position, um, qualifying automatically in Europe from Turkey. Um, so, fuck if I know. Yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and put my head in the Malmo ring. I like. Uh-huh. I think they have enough about them to advance. And like you said, Sivaspor just don't have a European pedigree or history, so it can be tough to adapt and know how to play midweek when you're not used to it. Malmo should be used to it. And we're down on Turkish teams in Europe. That's we our are. thing. Yeah. Um, so then we got Ferenc Varos uh, hosting Shamrock, one of our great surprises of the last round. Um, the Hungarians are heavy favorites, um, as you'd expect. But, you know, Shamrock played super well last round. Obviously, these are much better opponents. You know, their task will be just keeping it close in Hungary, giving themselves a chance back home. We'll see if they can do that. Uh, probably not. You never know. Yeah. Um, On this matchup, I think Baron Baros should take this pretty handily. You'd think. Especially, um, especially in, yeah. like, one of the starting most ruthless Hungary. atmospheres in Europe, you know. Um, starting hopefully, in Hungary, I think, a big advantage. Yeah. Uh, hopefully there aren't too many black players on Shamrock to be racially abused. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that will happen. And that'll happen there. Um, There's many back black players on Shamrock Rovers. Just yeah. kind of hazard a guess the, there. Those fans, not, you know, obviously it's not all Hungarian fans, not all Federatos fans, but there is a decent swath of the population there that, um, in, in the supporters groups, that will do some crazy fucked up shit. So, pretty notoriously. Um, yeah. But anyway. That's going to wrap up the Europa League. Uh, we just talked about that oh, ever. We what? dropped one. We forgot Austria, Vienna, and Fenerbahce. Oh, how could I? Yeah. Oh, my God. Continue. Please take that one. Okay. Um, Fenerbahce, heavily favored to come through. Austria, Vienna, off to a rocky start in the league. Four, well, one point from four games, but they've earned four points. They had a three-point deduction. Um, and this is their European debut for the season. I'm just going to point out a couple players to watch. Uh, Browdner is young Austrian center mid. He's been one of the highlights of the season, early part of the season that hasn't had many highlights for Austria VN. And Fruchtel, the German goalkeeper, is on loan from Bayern. So obviously he's well thought of if he's still employed by Byron if they didn't sell him by Great this man. point being 22 and they're yeah fructal very German name strong <laughs> German name oh, um, fructal. 
Air fructal. <laughs> Mine fructal. Your fructal. <laughs> I'm done. All right. Um, <laughs> and about the um, Turkish team, historic team, one of the big three in Turkey. They have a lot, also have a few interesting players. Um, Bayindir is Turkey's, primarily is their backup international goalkeeper. So he should be pretty safe in the nets for them. They shouldn't have to worry about him. Um, also, just some, they have a lot of older, fun players that you might not have heard from in a while that were pretty good. Uh, Diego Rossi just leaving LAFC after breaking MLS goal scoring records. Wasn't he's going he over there. He's not started well. Which, no, I don't think he didn't break yes. any goal scoring records. That which, was Bela. Well, it was Rossi. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. But all MLS he was really good so. at LAFC and he's been shite at Fenerbahce. He was, was LA player. Also, I just want to point out you've written Which here that I, you've written that Bayern Deer is the Turking international goalkeeper. Um, just wanted to point yeah, that out. Yeah, yeah, I know. I didn't speak that though because I can <laughs> interpret my own writing. I'm looking at it. So um, interpret my own writing. Uh, that would not pass in a court of law. Well, that's why they pay interns like me to check up. Things. Oh God, God um, forbid. They also who have Enter Valencia, who okay. played for West Ham and Everton. Stephen Cocker, who's at your Stephen Cocker for a bit. Stephen uh, also, Cocker. shout out. Uh, Emery Moore used to be a Dortmund wonder kid. Joao Pedro, who somehow got caps for the Italian national team, despite my protesting. You know what I have uh, to say about injured, that? Though. Joao. That's a little uh, Portuguese humor. So, you. Josh King, that 62 caps for Norway. And Bruma, who used to play for Leipzig and PSV. So there's a lot of names you might recognize if you tune into this game that you probably haven't heard from in a while. That sounds like top flight uh, Turkish action. So it might to be me. part of the reason you want to check it out. That sounds exactly yeah. like what you'd think watching any top flight Turkish team. You're like, oh, yeah. Bellatelli? Okay. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so what, what do you think is going to happen in Austria? I think uh, Fenerbahce are going to win 3-1. Uh, all right. So that's uh, that's going to finally wrap up the Europa League. Yeah. Let's take on the Conference League. Um, all right. We have, uh, we have RFS uh, hosting Linfield. Um, RFS, also known as Riga, uh, our favorites here. Um, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, they're... I think it's interesting because both teams are from countries that don't normally make European groups. RFS would be only the second Latvian team in a group stage, and Linfield would be the first. Um, I don't know about the tie overall, the but RFS have mm -hmm. yeah the first Northern Irish team in a group stage. Wow, how about that? How about that? Um, I don't know about the tie overall. But RFS did beat HJK at home, so we know that they can play well at home. Um, they're not a great offensive team, and Linfield have been really strong defensively sometimes in Europe. Sometimes. I'm, yeah, other times they let in eight goals to Bodo Glimt. But to be fair, that's Bodo Glimt and not RFS. I think our RFS should take this one on the road, but Linfield will make this a very frustrating game to watch. As a neutral, I, I would expect. I think they'll sit back. They'll try to frustrate. They have a pretty big squad in terms of 
height and weight and will likely just try to frustrate RFS while they're on the road. And they could succeed, but I think RFS have enough about them to score. Said one nothing. Yeah. I think I think that's about right. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't have anything to add. Um I right. honestly think this might be kind of a boring dive, but let's see let's see how it plays out tomorrow. Um so we have uh Scoopy and Balkani, two of our favorites from last week. Um the last two weeks. Um this is kind of a good hipster tie, I think. Uh Scoopy, of course, winners uh of the of the North Macedonian League. Um, but it's not actually a common thing for them. They haven't won in quite a while before that. Um, and they're not really used to uh European competitions. Um you, you know, you'd think from what we saw against Shamrock, they might be the slightly better team than Balkani, question mark. Um, yeah. um Balkani also don't really have any European history. Um they never really lost to Zalgiris in the Champions League first qualifier, so maybe that gives some sense of where their level is. Um, they're also not used to winning their league. This is again, this is one that's like t- totally, totally hipster, <laughs> unpredictable tie. I think. Um, I think it'd go either way, but I'd lean Scoopy based on some of the patterns of play I saw against Shamrock. I think they just ended up getting beaten by the counter and the long ball. Um, but I think they should have more technical quality than Balkani. The only game I think we saw from Balkani was when they played Key in the Faroe Islands. So it'll be interesting to see how they do without super strong wins, which the Faroe <laughs> Islands are famous for. Um, so it didn't maybe they're a little more technical last week. than we might. I doubt it. Um, um, I think Scoopy in this tie over I'm, Balkani. I'm going to take Scoopy 2-0 at home. Right, um, let's move on, move on to... to... Maccabi, Tel Aviv, and Nice. This yeah, is an interesting one. one. Of the, uh, it's a pretty big team coming from the French League, obviously. Would hope you have enough basic geography to put that together. <laughs> uh, so they're obviously coming from the French League. They're just starting their European campaign because they drop into this playoff round. But what do you have to do? You have anything we should be looking out for them? Yeah, Nice are a fun one. I was high on them last year in the French League. They ended up finishing fifth. Um, and I picked them a little higher. They kind of fell off at the end of the year. But last year, of course, they were coached, managed by Christophe Galtier, who had just moved from his title-winning campaign with Lille. Um, he's an excellent manager. They, had a, they have a really young team. They played some really fun stuff. Um, they couldn't sustain it for the course of the year, but I was looking forward to them one more season under him unfortunately he bats the psg um but they did make an interesting replacement uh a managerial replacement with lucien favre um who you know used to coach Dortmund, among other teams um he's a very like technical manager um they haven't been off to a great start in the league with a couple of draws but um uh you know should be an, still an exciting team to watch they're a very ambitious club um, you know, they're owned by one of, if not the the wealthiest people in England, um, Jim Ratcliffe. Um, he's been doing a lot of investing. They have, you know, quite a fancy training facility now. Um, and, you know, in terms of the French League, they're in really good financial position. You know, a lot of French leagues are like have to sell um, to sort of stay alive. Um, 
and a lot of the French finances are kind of fucked up in that league, but Nice have, you know, kind of that big club style owner um, that can sustain them in a way that a lot of clubs in France can't really do. So I think you'd expect to see Nice in the next couple of years kind of sustaining their, you know, top five French league form and hoping, I think they'd hope to cement themselves as, <clears throat> as, you know, sort of a top three, like beyond Marseille style. It's, it'll, it'll be tough to do, but I think definitely expect them to see it in the top five, at least for the near future. Um, and they made a couple of interesting old people signings <laughs> to uh, sort of, yeah, uh, I was going to say they interesting team build don't they yeah. with a few older kind of well-known players that can market but also teach a lot of their really promising younger players as well right yeah they have like young stars like tobido todibo excuse me Taram, casper dolberg danish international and then of course dante uh the 38 year old of former byron glory uh they also just brought in aaron ramsey and casper schmeichel um and Aaron Ramsey's already off and running, scoring uh scoring an equalizing goal on the opening weekend of the French League. Uh I expect both him and Casper Schmeichel to be in starting probably on Thursday, but we'll find out. It's exciting. Yeah. Um Um and then yeah, a little bit for Tel Aviv, who have recently probably been the best team in Israel. I think would would you agree with that? Recently, kind of been I think, a step I think, above the rest of the competition. Yeah, earlier in the first half of the decade, for sure. Um, then they were sort of you usurped by Haifa, um, and they haven't won the league in a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Aaron Zahavi, um, probably the most notable name on their roster. Um, you know, he spent a lot of a number of years with them, scoring a ton of goals. Um, spent a couple of years in the Chinese Super League, getting paid a ton of money. Um, then he spent the last mm-hmm. two seasons with uh with PSV. Uh, he scored eleven goals in each of the last two seasons, um, including some internationals. He's got seventy caps for the national team, uh, the Israeli national team, of course. Um, and he he just came back to Tel Aviv this year. Um, helped see them through last week in the tie at Aries. Yeah. Um where he scored when they were down to 10 men, he scored a goal to push them back up two in the, in the aggregate. Um, so he's already making a difference. Um, I think Tel Aviv could make life a little hard for Nice on the road, but Nice should come through this tie. I think I could see a tie in the first leg, a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, 1-1 is what I'll go with for the first leg, but I think Nice will take care of business when it goes back to France. Agreed. Uh, should we do Bashak Shahir and Antwerp? Um, Bashak Shahir, as you might be aware, might not be aware, are Erdogan's club, the Turkish... What what political position should we call him? Is he president? A dictator? Borderline dictator, uh, yeah. <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah. Giant yeah. piece of shit. We are not going to sell well in Turkey. No, I don't think. I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think I want to sell to any Turkish people who are big fans of Erdogan. And Bashakji here is basically like his baby. Um, the in terms of results, they're clearly now part of the you know Istanbul dynasty <laughs> of uh, of Turkish yeah. clubs that are successful there. Except they don't really have fans <laughs> in the same like that. I, I mean they have fans, but I don't think they have fans like anywhere close to the level that 
any historic Turkish clubs do, is my understanding. Um, and they're, I think they're like, I don't even know what if there's any like comparison for them in of European football. Like maybe you could argue like Leipzig, but Leipzig have fans from Leipzig, you know, <laughs> like they still have fans, even if they're like, you know, a Red Bull club. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure there's anything like him. Um, but anyway, they won the league for the first time a couple years ago. They've been making Europe every year since 2015. Um, so they're here to stay. Um, so anyway, let's move past that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Antwerp, their opponents, they were in the Europa League last year. and They took out Drita and Liltrum on their way to this playoff matchup. They're off to flying start in the league. And, you know, the Belgian league's pretty good, so getting off to a perfect start is commendable. Definitely a sign The Belgian league is pretty strong these well. days. They have a, um, yeah, they have some good, they have some decent teams in there. Some key players might want to keep an eye out for or watch just for your own pleasure. Toby Alderweireld is at Antwerp my now. Guy. He's former my Spurs guy. man. He sure oh, is. Only I can't believe he's be only older, 33. But... I thought he'd be older too. It seemed like he left Spurs when he was like in his mid 30s because it was sort of him and Vertonghen were like the guys, you know, and Vertonghen's older. But yeah, really surprised to learn he's only 33. Um, big fan of Toby. Glad he's happy in his home country. A couple other players to watch out for Sam Vines, American. Uh, you know, we're always going to point them out. And then Alhassan Yusuf is a Nigerian midfielder who plays them he's still only 22 he's someone that they you could be looking at getting a move to a bigger club in the near future i think to making that step out of the belgian league in the near future so oh, maybe oh. keep your eye on him before he gets before he gets big um who are you taking in this one that's a great question um in the first leg i think i'll lean bishaksha here um maybe 2-1 but i think antwerp have a chance in the return leg not just because i'm down on turkey yeah um but i think i think antwerp i don't think antwerp will go through but i think they have a chance to make some noise in this tie why don't we move on to arguably the biggest tie of the conference league uh perhaps the thursday in its entirety which is fiorentina and twenta max i have no idea what you just said my friend fuck fiorentina and twenta yeah this this is one I'm looking forward to as a big fan of the Serie A. Would love to see Fiorentina get through this one. Uh, Twenta is it's a tough draw for Fiorentina or Twenta to get it to say these are two of the better teams in the competition. I would say at least in the in the playoff round. Uh, Twenta are off to a decent start in the league and they dominated Kukuriki in the last round. But Kukuriki to Fiorentina, huge step up. So maybe huge. we don't want to read huge. It's huge. Maybe don't want to read too much into it. Uh, same way we shouldn't read too much into Donald Trump taking papers to his house in Mar-a-Lago. Just saying. Um, what what, that what don't we want to read into? What's there to read into? <laughs> Pretty cut and dry. I don't know. <laughs> he sure took. He did it. Saying, he took him. Don't read it. He took him. <laughs> but Fiorentina are probably the more team to watch for in this tie. Um, they had just started their season last weekend against Cremonese. And while they won, they were playing against a 10-man 
Cremonese and were definitely definitely vulnerable at times. Obviously, they let in two goals, but they didn't look substantially better than Cremonese, who just got promoted and did not spend a ton this summer. Uh, so that's a little worrying. But they did also kind of rotate a little bit coming for that Cremonese game. So they might be taking this tie more seriously as the important tie to start the year. Um, as they should. Listen to their coach afterward. Yeah, I agree. Getting into the group stages is huge. Huge and deal. Huge deal. And where they are in the league, they probably won't be top seven again. You would expect Atalanta to have a bit of a rebound and finish up there, even if Fiorentina are historically one of the seven sisters. They haven't been playing like it recently. Um, but they did rotate a little bit. Their coach implied their Vicento Italiano, who is a superb coach, by the way. Uh, he implied that it will be Arthur Cabral up top against Twenta, not Luka Jovic, who is a new signing from Real Madrid. Hope hope he can kind of get off to the way he played back when he was in the Bundesliga. I think there's still tons of potential there for him. But I'll keep your eye out for Nico Gonzalez. He'll probably play against Twente. He didn't play against Cremonese. Um, but, but I would expect him to feature heavily. And if he's out there, he could be one of the best players in the entire conference league this year if he's playing for Fiorentina. Yeah, I think this is a, this is a good test for Vincenzo Italian and his and his men um, to see where they uh, see where they are because um, twenty, you know, fourth or fifth best team in Holland, um, you know, play play some nice stuff. Um, yeah, this could be this could be you know you have to favor Fiorentina, but I think this could be this could be close. I think this will test their metal a little bit. Another uh, another big name in this round of the Conference League. Villarreal is hosting Hedrick Split. Um, what do we think about what do we think about this one? Villarreal, of course, heavy favorites. Yeah, um, Champions League semifinalists from last year, right? So you definitely think that they should be able to beat Hedrick Split. Um, they also just started their season, so hard to read too much into it. Pretty sure they sealed the signing of Los Celso on loan from Tottenham. So Believe maybe we'll so. get to see him play. Uh, that could be good. Um, yeah, for the rest of he I spent think... last, Los Celso spent last, uh, uh, you know, January to May on loan at Villarreal. Um, and I believe they're tra- what you're talking about is making the signing permanent, right? I thought Let it was getting check. extended. I uh, thought okay. that's what it was, but I'm a- let's double check. Yeah, he rejoins Villarreal on season-long loan. Yeah. So he should be yeah. eligible, I think. But maybe he won't. Maybe it's too soon for him to play. But since he was there last year, could be a player that you just can immediately throw in there. Um, yeah, he was good for him. He's been training with Spurs and getting ready for the season. But, yeah, Hadrick split. I he think was left out of the preseason squad, though. So. Team. Oh, that's a shame for them. He was training alone. Or he was training at the Spurs facility, uh, just not with the team. Not with the team. Conte moved to banish somebody that he doesn't. Yeah, Conte banished four players. He banished. He banished him. He banished poor Harry Winks. He banished uh Ndombele, of course. Um, yeah. And he banished 
Who the fuck else did he banish? Doesn't matter. This is not about Tottenham as much as I'd like it to be. But yeah, I think Hedrick Split could actually be the more interesting team in this tie. I think their performance against uh, Vittorio Guimarães was pretty, pretty impressive overall. And this is a next level step up. They do have some interesting players. Krovinovich in center midfield can really create with long passes and win the ball back. So I think for them, part of that will be player having control in the central midfield against Villarreal, which is a easier said than done. But that's something to look out for is whether they can win at the midfield battle like at all and control the game there because that's really their only chance. I think to get a result, um, especially in Spain in the first leg. But if they can get a draw or keep it one goal in this first leg, going to Croatia in one of the better atmospheres in football, that could be an upset to watch out for if they manage to hold tough in the first leg. But I'm not sure they will. I think I'm going to take Villarreal three to one in Spain. I'll take them three nil. All right. Uh, another big one, uh, not in terms of the matchup, but in terms of name recognition. Uh, West Ham is hosting Viborg tomorrow. Um, I mean, how much do you need to say Viborg? West Ham should kick their ass. Yeah, I think the only interesting thing about this game is, is who does West Ham start up top? Do they start Skamaka or Antonio? I think, that's the I only think they'll thing start Skamaka. I think they will as well. Um, I think they might start have... Skamaka and Maxwell Cornet. I think this could be Cornet's debut. Or that if would be Cornet doesn't start, he'll come on early in the second half. That would be fun to watch. I mean, I think the only way Viborg have a chance in this tie is if Skamaka and Cornet just have no communication with each other if they both start and don't mesh with the rest of the attack and they don't know what they're doing out there since it'll be the first game. They have that front three, but I mean, the only way I see Viborg holding into this die is if West Ham really screw things up. Yeah, Cor- Cornea, I should mention, they just uh, secured a transfer from Burnley this summer. He was really good for Burnley last year. Um, and, yeah, this could be a good way to integrate one or both of them um, into the team and get, maybe get them some easy goals. Um, West Ham got off to a you, I guess you could call a rocky start to the season, but to be fair, losing they lost their first two matches in the league, but the first one was 2-0 defeat to City. So, like, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. Holland scored both those goals. What are you going to do? Uh, the second one, they lost 1-0 away at Nottingham Forest. And Nottingham's, like, first primary, home Premier League game in almost 25 years. In front of, like, in a famous crowd, in yeah. front of famous fans. And that was, like, it was, like, divine intervention that they didn't win that game. Because they had they hit the bar twice. And, the, like, the underside of the bar twice. They had a penalty saved. They had a goal on clearance. Like everything happened. The the goal Nottingham scored was unlucky. Like everything went wrong. That could have gone wrong. So I don't think they're actually in too bad of a position. I think their squad is mostly the same as last year. They've and they've made a couple of nice like attacking signings. So um I think they'll be fine. Um yeah. and should get through this easily. Um so let's move on to Young Boys and Underlecht. Uh, yeah, young boys, young... slight favors at home. Um, they both played, you know, sort of worse, pretty obviously worse teams. So uh, we haven't really gotten a good sense of where they are yet. You know, young boys did have kind of a bad season last year for their standards in the league, finishing third. 
but uh you've noted they're off to a good start so far uh in this in this current season mm -hmm. yeah they've only allowed one goal so far through five games they also tied for the league lead in goals score probably the two most important things to do in soccer is to score goals and not to allow the opponent to score goals. So they're doing both of those really well. Yeah, they're pretty good at that. Okay, cool. Um, um, Underlecht, meanwhile, um, they haven't won the league title, actually, since 2017, even though they're the record holders, 34 titles in Belgium. Um, I guess Belgium is just more competitive at the top than it used to be. Um, you know, Club Brugge has been beating them to it. Now they have Union Saint-Gilois. Saint <laughs> uh nipping at their heels obviously Ghent gank and uh antwerp so yeah what do you think about them yeah i think it'll be interesting i mean this could be a fun game to watch because anderlecht have typically shown that they like to press they their top three tacklers this season are actually just their three forwards so they're gonna try to That's force telling. turnovers in the yeah, and their midfielders will pick up a lot of interceptions. They force a lot of bad balls into the midfield. So young boys will have to adapt to that, which could be something difficult because in the Swiss League, they're used to being the better team and used to teams that will sit back a little bit against them and allow young boys to kind of move forward in hopes that they can just stay stout defensively. But Anilek will pose a very different challenge. Um, also notably, Fabio Silva, who struggled a lot at Wolves the last however long he was there, what, a year and a half, two years? Yeah, they purchased um, him for, I think, somewhere been... in the market of $30 million or something. With an, uh, he's, he was as a teenager with him as, you know, to uh, him looking towards the future. Um, but he never could quite get off the ground. He, he couldn't really score. Um, so I did, actually didn't even realize he was on loan at Underlake. He's been playing well. He has been playing really well. He's been scoring and it looks like he might be working to rebuild that value up for them. So definitely worth keeping an eye to see how his development's going because he was one of the young, exciting players when he signed for Wolves and could still turn it around. So keep an eye out for him. I right, should move on awesome. to the last game I'm going to talk about more in-depth, I think, is Azed Alkmar and Gil Vicente from Portugal. Azed yeah. are... I was a little surprised with how heavy they were favored on most betting sites. I thought this would be a pretty competitive uh, game. Both teams are off to perfect starts in the league, but to be fair, Gil Vicente are playing literally as we record, and that's only their second game of the season. So don't know what that says about them yet. Like They won one game. Um, also, I guess with, with Vicente, like with them, like you... I guess my expectation was that they were more of a big boy in Portuguese football, but they're not at all. Um, they're out of the top flight as recently as the 2017-18 season. Um, I tried to look up uh, European history on their Wikipedia page, and the In Europe section is described as, quote, empty. <laughs> so, like, this is basically not a regular thing for them, and I wonder if that has some influence on the betting market when you have a you know team that's used to being here and is a little more quote unquote historic um versus a team without much of that history could have um azed is i guess you would consider 
probably the fourth or fifth biggest club in the Netherlands. Um, they had a moment where they sort of, in the 80s, where they sort of joined the top three of Ajax, PSV, and Feyenoord. Um, couldn't really sustain it. So, you know, they're a pretty well-supported club. Um, and they have some good European history um, relative to Gil Vicente, obviously. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, Azed obviously looked really impressive demolishing Dundee last week. Um, and to be honest, I don't have really like a good feel for this for this tie. I don't. Um, I, th I think Alkmaar is probably the better side, but um, this feels like one that I would tilt more like 60-40 than like 80-20. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm curious. This is one I'm looking forward to watching like in detail on Thursday so that we can um, sort of get a better sense of how the how they relate to one another on the pitch. Yeah, this is another interesting one, especially given that Dutch football has performed really, really well in Europe over the last couple of years. And Portugal obviously has also performed well. It's Portugal. They're always around the top six leagues in Europe. Uh, but the Netherlands has been catching up to them. And I think this could be a pretty telling sign on where the leagues are. Um, obviously, Azed is a little bigger not a little, Azed is much bigger in Dutch football than Gil Vicente is in Portuguese football, but definitely important for either of these leagues to get a team into the group stage and be able to build from there, especially with Gil Vicente. I think this game is more important to them because we've seen a lot with Portuguese teams, financial troubles for the teams mm. that push themselves to reach Europe for the first time. And Gil Vicente doesn't look right now like they'll be one of those teams, but if they don't get any European money and keep spending a little bit, it could become an issue just because money can be tight in the Portuguese league at times. So I think this game holds is a pretty important game for both teams in that respect. Um, also, Juan Vaselli, who moved from Uruguay to Gil Vicente, was really impressive to me against Riga in the last round uh, when they even in Riga when they drew only 1-1, and then obviously at home when they dominated. So I, he'd be a player I'd keep an eye out for. Yeah, let's do some rapid fire. Uh, we've got Maribor uh, and Cluj. To be honest, this is one of the ones I'm least interested in, given what we saw from these two sides the last two weeks. Um, I'd, Cluj is favored. I'd agree with that. Take Cluj pretty easily Me. on this one. Um, Me too. Lek Pausman and Dudelange. Lek are mm -hmm. quite clearly heavy, heavy, heavy favorites to advance this one. Um, I don't do launch have been in European group stages before though, so this isn't new territory for them. So maybe there's more of a chance than people are giving credit for. Yeah, um, I think this is a I, I think, think this I, is a bad I think this is one I would bet on, frankly. Um Lek, you know, got through, but they they did they didn't look dominant against Reykjavik and you know, Iceland has one of the worst coefficients um, in Europe. So I'm going to pull the upset. I'm taking Dudelange. Go Diddlers. You are. I agree with you when you look at in terms of where the odds are for this game. It might be worth throwing some money on Dudelange, but I do think it is still kind of a long shot. I think Lech have enough to get. Diddlers, Diddlers. I think Lech can still get past them, but I think it'll be this will be a much more competitive game than you would expect going in. Um, jump 
to Zrinsky and Slovan Bratislava. Slovan are favorites. I think that's fair. I don't think Zrinsky are a particularly strong team. I think Slovan should be able to get through relatively easy. I think they can shut them out in Bosnia 2-0. What about you? I agree. I don't think this should pose much trouble to Bratislava. Um, so then we have uh, CSKA Sofia and Basel. Um, uh, this one, you'd also have to say Basel should be pretty heavy favorites. And they are. Uh, maybe Sofia can make it a, give it a go in the first leg at home, but I don't really see it lasting well. This might be one of the ones that I put on upset alert, at least for the first leg. Mm-hmm. I think in Hungary, I think mm-hmm. CSK Sofia can force at least a draw. I Basel are obviously a big team in Switzerland, but I haven't been super impressed by what I've seen from Swiss teams this year. So in Hungary, I'm going to go with the draw, and then we'll see how I feel going into the second leg. Uh, speaking of teams compete in Switzerland, Badus from Liechtenstein are facing. You mean Catalonia? Badus from uh, right outside Barcelona um, yeah. are taking on Rapid Wien or Vien or however you douchebags want to pronounce it. Um, you you've noted here that Rapid are the biggest favorites of the round. That's probably about right. Badus uh, yeah. was great last week, but also they are in second division in Switzerland. So let's not uh let's not overcomplicate things. Uh. So Rakow in Poland are hosting Slavia Prague. Um, this could be, you know, you expect Slavia to to take the tie here. Um, I think Rakow could put up a fight at home in the first leg, um, but probably not win the tie. Yeah, I think it still takes Slavia Prague in the first leg, but I can see it being close. I can see Rakow nipping a draw there as mm-hmm. well, but. Uh, and then we have our one Wednesday game of the week is going to be Jur Gardens from Sweden against Applewell from Cyprus. As you've noted, Applewell have recently been one of the bigger teams in Cyprus. Um, but Jur Gardens are actually favored in the first game at home. It is basically even for advancing out of the tie, though. So Jur Gardens have been pretty good in the conference league so far and in Europe. Um maybe better than we'd expect. Um yeah, Applewell um not weren't uh hitting the heights of their of their uh recent glory the last couple of seasons. Um maybe not as strong as they were a couple of years ago when I feel like you'd see them around in group stages a lot. Um I'm gonna I don't know if this is technically an upset, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take Jur Gardens here over two legs. Con- contradicting our our, our Cypress love uh, wow. in this one. I think I'll take Drew Gardens at least in the first leg. I'm not sure going back to Cypress if it'll hold, but this is also one of those where it's a long way to travel, and I think that could play a bit of a role in each of these legs. I would probably favor the home team to win both both legs. Cool. All right, let's do Universitate of Romania hosting Beersheba, Israel. Um the odds are basically even here. Um, Beersheva, I think you could probably call one of Israel's big three over in recent history, you know, over the last decade or so. Uh, they won the league. They're just one of the those few teams to have won the league along with Tel Aviv and Haifa. Um, 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Beersheva turns out to be the better team here. Like, no offense to Universitate, but I think this is another one that I'd say is, is I would feel more comfortable betting on than some others. I'll put it that way. No, I think you're right on the money with this one. I think Beersheva are a really strong team. And I think, I mean, Romania can be a tough place to go play, especially yeah. some of the bigger teams. But Hapoel are from Israel, so they're used to that type of crowd. They're used to the high energy, the pyrotechnics, the intensity that those crowds pose. So I don't, it's not too far to travel. So I think they can go there and take a, take a result. Uh, speaking uh, of Romania, yeah, Stal Bucharest hosting Viking. What do you think about this one? Um, I think Stal Bucharest are a stronger team than people realize. I think. Viking in Norway in general, I'm not as sold on right now. So I think I would take Stout Bucharest cool. to win, especially at home. I would take Me too. Stout. Yeah. Uh, Partisan uh, is hosting Hammerin. Hammerin was one of our favorite teams of last week. They pulled a big upset. Um, don't think they have much of a chance here, though. No. Um, Partisan are pretty strong team. They're going to be disappointed by what happened last week. You know, they want to be in the Europa League, so I'd expect them to answer at home in front of their fans and really take it to Hamron. One team I'm really excited to watch in the Conference League, hopefully for a while this year, is Cologne. Um, it's been, you know, a couple of years since they found themselves in this position. They're hosting Farivar. Um, They should be the much stronger team here. Um, and uh, they'll be looking to run up the scoreline at home, put the tie to bed early. Um, let's hope they do so because no offense to Farivar, but I'd love to see Cologne in the group stages. Yeah, I do think this tie or this this matchup, this leg of the tie is mm-hmm. way more important than people realize. If you go to a country like Hungary and yeah. it's still to play for, if you only win by one at home, that could be all they need to go and take it. You to don't you. want to put yourself at risk of of, you know, something magical happening in a tough round. Yeah, um, so I would favor Colin. I think they really need to come out and score some goals and put the tie to bed, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one that I think will be interesting to watch um, this week, because it might be pretty even, is Slovakko and AIK. Um, you've noted that Slovakko are slight betting favorites, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, we've noted also last week that AIK aren't doing particularly well in their own league right now. Um, so... This one is kind of a toss-up. Uh, I don't really know what to, what to think here. Um, but let me just take Slovakia, I believe. Yeah, I think we're both on Team Slovakia right now. I think we'd think it'd be fun to see them make the group stage. They're an interesting team. So I'm also going to support them, even if it is more just based on my personal desires and actual sporting integrity. Fuck uh, yeah. All right, and then it's just the last game, right? More- Indeed. Versus Wolfsberger from Austria, Molda, the Norwegian team, our favorite, I would imagine, at home. They should win this one. Wolfsberger struggled to put away Xira United from Malta last week. Uh, so, not a great sign. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you. Um, well, anyway, that was, a, that was a long, long time breaking down all the action coming up tomorrow, but it was, of really? course, all worth it. Um, and should be a good good set of games.
Um, yeah, thanks for bearing with us for the people who did because we've been doing this one. This episode was telecommunicated. We weren't in the same place, made it a little Well, harder. that's a fancy way to say that. Uh, it was on Zoom and it probably won't sound that good. Um, yeah, but thanks for bearing with us. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the takes um, and we'll be back to break down all the action on Friday. Yeah, we will. Um, wait, what's our... It's Cheers to the Gaffer. That's cheers to the Gaffer. See you then.